Uh, we're going to start out with uh, Acts chapter 1, and um, I thought maybe I could finish up last week on um, both of the messages, but I think this week we'll uh, close out the whole series for us, and then we'll get on to another series. This is the Miracle Life series, uh, the last message in the Miracle Life series, and um, again, this is from the framework of it's from uh, a series of messages that my wife and I attended with uh, Dr. T.L. Osborne when he, before he went to heaven, and uh, he was a, I guess people, they called him like a world evangelist, so he went around the world, uh, mostly in other countries, and taught the gospel, and uh, he was friends with F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth, and you know, if you know church history, modern church history at all, uh, uh, he associated with a lot of people that we've just read about, F.F. F. Bosworth, William Brannan, uh, you know, uh, of course, Dad Hagen, and a lot of those other people that, that we knew as well. And uh, so greatly value his wisdom and his ministry experience. And, you know, he ministered for, I think it was a little over 60 years and never had an affair and never embezzled money. And, you know, uh, it's sad that you have to say that about a minister. But uh, incidentally, Dad Hagen was the same minister, I think, for a few more years. But it's great to have... Um, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's great for us to have great examples of people that follow the Lord and were faithful throughout their, all of their days. And um, what a reward you know, they have in heaven. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 1. The former treaty or letter have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive, after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time Restore again the kingdom to Israel. And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now these, uh, you know, these are the words of Jesus right before he's ascending into heaven. His last you know, command and what he's saying, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to do. And, uh, uh, you know, I think I've said most of the weeks um, we're using the acrostic for miracle, and the first one is Christ our model, next is Christ our inspiration, and then our response to the gospel, our A for our actions as delegates, C for the credibility of the gospel, L for the legality of the gospel, and then the last week the experience of the gospel. So as I kind of closed out last, last week and said, you know, if we studied, and if you study anything of the Word of God, and you just had a good study, and you got your more knowledge in your head, um, I missed it, you missed it. Because the goal is not to get more knowledge. Actually, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if you want to look at spiritual growth or spiritual development, the most spiritual growth and development comes when we grow in the love of Christ, in the love of God. You know, I like 1 Corinthians 13, Paul wrote that, and one uh, theologian said, you know, the reason he probably wrote that is that the, that's the area he had the greatest struggle. So he spent so much time, 1 Corinthians 13, on love, walking in love, what love is. And um, there's a little book, we need to get 
get some of them, I guess. Um, but uh, you can get them free online as well. It's by an author named uh, Henry Drummond. And um, it's called The Greatest Thing in the World, Love. And it's a, it's a, a great book in there. But he says um, that a study in love is a study in God. Because what we learn, like First John, God is love. So if you want to know more about God, and you want to learn more about God, really learn more about love, the love of God. Not natural human love, which is, you know, basically, I, you know, it's my wife, Melody, so I love you for what you can do for me. That's natural human love. I love you because how you look. That's, well, that could be human love or it could just be lust or it could be whatever. <laughs> um, but that's not the God kind of love. The God kind of love is commitment. The God kind of love is I'm going to sacrifice because I love you. And we see that most of all in John 3.16, God so loved that he gave. He gave his one and only son, his only begotten son. So um, to really grow spiritually, we want to grow in love. And um, uh, that's extra. So all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, he's our model. So he's the one that we look to. Like, what do we do in this situation? What do we do in that situation? What does God want done in this situation, that situation? The Word of God is the will of God. So we can always look to the Word of God. And, uh, but sometimes there's not Scripture in verse for, you know, uh, should I buy this person this gift or, you know, so on and so forth. But we can look at what Jesus Christ would do. When you come into a situation where you don't know what to do, uh, Look at what Jesus would do and check on the inside because uh, the Lord will show you. So all that he began both to do and to teach. And if he began it, that means he's still doing it. Well, how's he doing it? Because he's up, up in heaven at the right hand of God. He's doing it through you and through me. Um, until the day he was taken up, inspiration. So I'm not going to go through all of those. I'm going to come down to uh, the experience. And what I want to actually start out with is... Uh, is anybody here a Bible theologian? Me neither. <laughs> so there's a, a book called, there's actually two books, um, theological books um, that I'm referring to. It's called The Kittle, K-I-T-T-E-L. And there's a little kittle, and then there's like a full kittle. And I think the full kittle is like, I don't know, 12 or 18 volumes. I have it in a computer copy, so I don't know how many actual volumes, but um, it's big. And so then they condense that all down into a what they call a little kittle. And it's like one volume. And it's a little bit more English because the other one has a lot of Greek. But what they did is, I think it was in the 50s, they got the best theologians like from every denomination together and they made this Bible dictionary. And um, it's actually a very amazing dictionary and the stuff that they have in there. So we've been talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the miracle life. And so they have a definition in there um, that I have a paraphrase for here because the definition of it is, you know, in, in the big kittle, it's about, I think, 20 pages long. <laughs> so I don't want to bore you with that. <laughs> but talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I've kind of touched on it in a few of the weeks, that when, when we speak the gospel the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ, and you speak that in faith, the same power that was available to raise Christ from the dead is available when those words are spoken. And it's not the power of, in those words is not the power of the breath or the vocal cords saying those words. It's the power when you speak an event, the same power is available at that moment. And actually, 
when one of the advisors came, uh, I think it was to King David, and he brought him bad news of how the battle was going. He was not the person who did the bad news. He was serving the king. But he brought the bad news. And when he brought the bad news, when you bring that, when you speak that, you actually partake in what you're speaking. And so he brought it. And so he had him killed because he brought bad news. Well, there's another guy that he brought good news from the battlefield. And he got blessing. So it's amazing the power in your words. And, you know, the Bible says in Hosea, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So our words are very important, especially when we really believe what we're saying. You can kind of mouth off. Uh, that's the wrong way to say it because mouth off sounds like you're like, ah. um, You can just speak something and not really believe it, and it won't do you a whole lot of good. Like you could actually say, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I take him as my Lord and Savior, and you just like mentally agreed with it, you're like, okay, yeah, that's a head knowledge, but you haven't said it with your heart, with your inner being, and you wouldn't be born again, right? I mean, to be born again, you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth. You don't believe it in your head, you believe in your heart. So it's really important, the words that we say, and the gospel message is so powerful. So I want to read this definition. The message of Christ, this is a paraphrase of that again if you go look it up. The, the message uh, of Christ is the power of God, which is the power of salvation. The power of God in the gospel is proven as God delivers people from the power of darkness and translates them into the kingdom of his dear son. The gospel is not, or excuse me, gospel is not an empty word. It's grounded in the divine act of deliverance from the rule of Satan and that deliverance becomes fact by the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel is the continuation of the saving activity of Christ. Okay, so like, I'm going to pause in the definition. That doesn't mean that you or I have to get up uh, in front of a group of people and preach like a full gospel message. That means you're like me sitting on the airplane next to the lady saying, you know what? God really loves you. And Jesus took all of your sin, and all of your sickness on himself. God is a God of forgiveness and a God of love. And he's not mad at you, but there's really nothing you can do to make yourself right enough or good enough or clean enough to come to him. There's really no point in that. That's what he did. That's what his blood did. Uh, so anyhow, just every day uh, talking with people. The preaching of the gospel is the communicate, or excuse me, the continuation of the saving activity of Christ. This is what we've been talking about the whole time. So Christ is was here to seek and save that which was lost. And when we communicate the gospel message, when we communicate what he did and who he is, we're continuing that same ministry. Therefore, the proclaimers of the gospels, a gospel are the continuators of Christ's ministry. They stand in the place of Jesus and are as he is. Isn't that amazing? So these are like all of these theologians that put all this together that uh, a lot of times uh, when I think of theologians and no insult if there's theologians listening to this but I think of people that are like pretty like uh, heady and not like really in reality like what it is so when I saw this and read this I was like wow that is phenomenal because uh, they've really got it that's what the word of God is saying. That's what Jesus was trying to communicate. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And it's way better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. But if I go away, he can come. And when he comes, he's going to bring all of his stuff with him. 
He's going to bring his peace, his joy, his strength, his knowledge, his understanding. He'll, he'll show you the future. Like, how many people, like, how would it help you to know the future? It would help me to know the future. Because you'd make a lot better decisions. I'm a researcher, so I like to have everything in order and then make the decision. Uh, but fortunately, the Bible teaches me that I walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> but I say to the Lord now, you know, you said you'd throw us things to come, so, you know, I don't mind being in on the secret. Like, show me some things, and he'll show us enough. But really, if he showed us all of, especially the plan of God for your life, you'd probably run in terror. <laughs> like, really? That's what you want me to do? And, um, but the gospel um, is powerful. And the gospel in your lips, on your tongue, is powerful. Really, it's as powerful. Uh, do you guys know Reinhard Bonnke, another evangelist? Actually, Reinhard Bonnke was trained under T.L. Under Osborne. The way he uh, became what he became is he would take, uh, Brother Osborne had these, uh, he called them docu-miracle films, so they would have all these miracles and they would film them. And uh, they would have crews that would go and set these up in other cities where they couldn't go. And Reinhard Bonnke was on one of these film crews. So he would go and set up the videos or films Sorry, I'm, I'm in the modern era. He'd go and set up the films, and uh, he'd see them over and over and over and over, and it finally got into him. And, you know, then he was talking to the Lord about this one time, and the Lord said to him, uh, my word in your mouth is just as powerful as my word in my mouth. My word, God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. See, when we believe that, then you start to see things happen and things fall off. And the gospel, uh, you know, I'm going to read this one more time. The message of Christ is the power of God, which is the power of salvation. How, how can they hear without a preacher? A, pro, a preacher, uh, big word, proclaimer. Someone that's going to tell. Someone's going to say, how will people hear? Power of God in the gospel is proven as God delivers people from the power of darkness and translates them into the kingdom of his dear son. So the power that's in the gospel, we know it's there as you see people delivered, as you see people set free, as you see lives changed. And I was at a conference uh, a week and a half ago, and uh, the minister uh, was talking about Jesus uh, turning the water into wine. And uh, how when you're on the inside, his title of his message was, it's an inside job. And when you're on the inside, you get to see things that people on the outside don't get to see. And so when you're on the inside with God, in other words, you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm not just going to sit and watch other people be used of you. I'm not just going to watch you do things through other people. I'm making myself available, and I'm going to step out on your word and just believe. I'm just going to say, like, well, I just believe that what you say is going to come to pass, that you're not a liar. Then we get to be on the inside. So, you know, the premise of his message, you know, was basically the servants that Jesus said, go draw water because they ran out of wine. So go draw water, fill them up. So they filled them up and they saw the water going into the vessels. And once they saw the water going into the vessels, then they said, okay, we filled up the vessels. And he said, okay, now draw it out and take it to the chief of the feast. And of course, you don't know, we don't know when the water turned to wine. But what we do know is the servants that were serving saw the water turn into wine. 
Either once they poured the water into the vessel and then saw, oh, it's wine. Or when they dipped it out, maybe it turned then. Or maybe it turned as they were pouring it into the master of the feast's glass. But they got to see because they were serving. They're on the inside. And so we get to see when you, you know, um, get to talk with someone or pray with someone, whether it's for healing or, and healing, I don't, uh, healing is awesome. And um, if you're not well, it's like the focus of your life. Like, I want to get well. Whether you, you know, know about divine healing, believe in divine healing, or you're just going to the doctors and that's how you know, or you're doing a combination, like your body aches to be well, you want to be well. Um, but then when someone doesn't know Jesus Christ and they're without hope and you pray with them and they receive Jesus Christ and you see their face light up and you see, you know, like um, a, a guy we had here at the church, one of our uh, people that came to help plant with us, his father came and afterwards he said, oh, he prayed to receive Christ and he said, oh, I just feel so much lighter. Like, I feel like something just rolled off of me. Man, that's awesome. And you get to be on the inside. And then you get to watch and you get to see them change and grow and be used of the Lord. And someone who thought, I can't do anything, I'm not even good enough to come to Jesus, all of a sudden they're out there bringing other people to Jesus. And, uh, you know, that's what the Lord has all of us do is just really communicate what we have experienced, how our lives have been changed. John said, what we have seen and touched and handled of the word of God. That's what we declare to you. That's what we're telling you is what we've experienced. So that's uh, really the best way uh, to let people know. It's grounded in the divine deliverance from the rule of Satan, and that deliverance becomes fact by the preaching of the gospel. So uh, when Brother Osborne would go and um, minister, he wouldn't... Uh, I'm not trying to give you a Brother Osborne message. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you some examples. He uh, very rarely would go lay hands on people. You know, if you're in the charismatic, word of faith, movement at all, you see like people laying hands on people all the time. There's the doctrine of laying on of hands. He just didn't feel led of the Lord to do that a lot of the time. He would preach the gospel and people would receive. And he had miracle after miracle after miracle. Some people claim he had more miracles than anybody else of modern time. Just amazing miracles. Because that word spoken and received changes, makes, makes the effect. Um, and so lives were changed. So we see, um, let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans 1, 16. I memorized this scripture when I was uh, probably 11 or 12 years old because uh, we did Bible quizzing at the church I was growing up in. And this is one of the scriptures that I had to learn. And um, it's also one of the scriptures that when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I read and I'm like, What? I've never seen this before. I've never seen this before, and I know this. I've memorized this. Romans 1.16, for I am, this is um, Paul writing to the Romans, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, uh, excuse me, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Uh, you know, and, you know, the word just there. In modern times, if you say justified, like, how would you define justified? Jeremy says, just as if I've never sinned. Yeah, you're just, you're, the Lord actually removes as if you never committed any uh, sin, any wrongdoing, any crime. So, like, we talk about justify, I'm going to justify myself to you why I was late this morning. You know, I wasn't late, and I'm not picking on you. <laughs> I just thought about that after I said it. 
But if you were late this morning, you probably have a really good reason because the Marine Corps Marathon is going on right now. And um, maybe, I was talking to my wife last night, maybe I'll run that next year, I'd love to run it. But uh, I've done one marathon in my life, and I don't know why they always have the marathons on Sunday mornings. It's a really bad time for a marathon, I think. Uh, huh? <laughs> so, um, uh, but justifying is kind of like, well, let me give you the reasons. Here's this, this, and this. Because there was a marathon this morning. I'm going to pick on you, I guess, now. Because there was a marathon this morning. Because I got up late, you know, because my son was here and, you know, he didn't get in the shower soon enough or whatever. You know, you can have any number of things to justify. Well, Christ has justified us, but that's not the definition of the Greek word justify. Because justify is like, okay, here's all these reasons, and that uh, either I'm bad or I'm good or this or that or whatever. Justify is to actually take and reckon. It's like an accounting word. Like you've counted it as you're right. It has nothing to do with what you've done. It's what I declare you to be. Right? So Jesus Christ declared you to be justified, right with God. And um, that's because of the gospel. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So when we look at the gospel, we have to realize when we speak the gospel, the simple gospel, that that's the power of God to salvation. The gospel is the power of God. A lot of times we look at, and um, there's so many things that are true, and you can look at a mountain. Uh, a Baptist minister said this to Brother Hagin. He grabbed hold of it and liked it, and I like it. So you can look at a mountain, and you can look at it from the east side, the west side, the north side, you know, north side, the southeast side, and you're going to get a different view. And if you were looking at the same mountain, and I said, write down what you see, or even draw what you see, your drawing is going to be different than mine. Your description is going to be different than mine, but it's the exact same mountain. So a lot of times uh, people, we tend to get in uh, a ditch on one side of the road or the other, and we realize that um, sometimes people are just like, just, just, you know, preach the Bible, preach the Bible, preach the Bible. But you have to preach with the Holy Ghost, and you have to receive with the Holy Ghost. So I'm endeavoring when I minister to follow the leading of the Lord, um, to let him um, correct my direction or direct my direction. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we will say, well, if uh, the Lord knows everything, so he's going to give you what to say way ahead of time if you're speaking or if you're just going to talk to somebody. Well, sometimes he does. God is like the biggest planner you'll ever find. He has like, he's like, been planning this feast for years, hundreds of years, millennia, right? Uh, but at the same time, if you look in the word of God at, at the word prophecy, preaching has an element of prophecy, and prophecy, by definition, is inspiration from God at the spur of the moment. So you're always going to have a little bit of both, or you should have a little bit of both. Some people just get, I'm just going to, you know, uh, teach, 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 and they kind of go off without the Holy Spirit. And other people, they maybe want to just like go with the Holy Spirit and kind of don't stick to the word. So we want to have, we want to have um, both uh, the Word and the Spirit. We want them to both agree. And when you come to preach to someone or to talk to someone, to minister to someone, to testify to someone, you want to rely upon not only the Word that's been spoken to your heart, but what the Lord is speaking to you at the moment for that person. And um, uh, I think one of the best ways to reach people 
is to just open up with them an experience that you've had. And um, that, that many times will open them. So salvation, um, it's the power of God unto salvation. And salvation um, is not just not going to hell. It's not just being made a new creature on the inside. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And a lot of times, I think most of the time, even, even I would do this, like you think of salvation like, oh, they got saved. And do you think like they just got bodily healed? Not normally. But uh, realize when you're praying with someone, if they're not born again and they have a sickness, most of the time you can pray with them for their sickness and they'll also receive healing in their physical body. Because when Christ redeemed us, he redeemed us spirit, soul. I mean, uh, uh, we are spirit, soul, and body. He redeemed us um, spirit and he redeemed our bodies and he redeemed us from poverty. He redeemed us from the curse. Uh, Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse because he was made a curse for us. He took that place. So the curse that should have fallen on us, that curse still fell. And really that curse still falls on us if we don't receive what he did. But when we receive what he did, Corinthians tells us that he became as we were so we could become like he is. He took our death, one translation says, so that we could take his life. So it's kind of like this great exchange. So now what we were is what he became. And what he was is what we became when we receive him. So that's why we need to look at ourselves in Christ Jesus and not after our uh, natural tendencies or our flesh or what we're, um, you know, uh, given to or what's in our family line because really our family line is, uh, is the line of Christ when we're born again. So we're redeemed uh, from physical sickness and we see that in the life of Christ like the woman with the issue of blood came to him and she touched. She said, if I can only touch but the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And so he redeemed um, her physical body. And then you look, deliverance from demons. There was a man with a, a legion of demons. Remember, in the, you know, the demons started speaking like, hey, 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 don't cast us into like the abyss. Like, you know, let us do something else. And uh, so he said, well, you can go into the pigs. Or they said, can we go into the pigs? He said, yes, you can go into the pigs. And um, so... Uh, delivered from demonic oppression, a form of salvation, and from physical danger. When Jesus was asleep in the ship, physical danger was coming, but he brought salvation from that physical danger. And then uh, when Peter got out of the boat, like most people don't get out of the boat, but he got out of the boat, and he started walking on the water, and he's like, whoa, <laughs> you ever done that? Like, you got out of the boat? Even like, with the things of Christ, you got out of the boat and you thought, you know, okay, I'm not just going to sit here. I'm going to say something and do something. And then, you know, like uh, I was with a, a minister friend of ours in New Mexico and he was up preaching and um, he's talking about healing. And you realize when you're speaking this, when I'm speaking this right now, if you have a sickness in your body, you can receive healing right now. The power of God is present to heal at this moment. The power of God is present to deliver at this moment. If you're bound, you can be free. So he was uh, speaking not this message, but, you know, uh, along a similar subject. And this lady, are you going to remember this story? This lady had an oxygen tank. And he's like, get up, you're healed. So she gets up and she has her oxygen tank. And um, was she 
wheeling it with her when she was running. So she's wheeling her oxygen tank and she starts running around the building, you know, because she's healed. And um, she's like, <gasps> but she gets like, I don't know, two laps or something like that, which for somebody that needs oxygen is a lot, is <laughs> a long way to go. And she's like, uh, she said, uh, you know, I, 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 I still can't breathe, you know, and she's getting worse and worse. And we're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And he said, he said you're healed. Put that thing down, you know. And that's when you're kind of like, Lord, what is going on? Well, sure enough, she went like another half a lap, and all of a sudden she could breathe. She was set free. But, you know, you kind of get out there sometimes, and you're like, Lord. <laughs> you know, thank God the Bible's true, you know. Uh, hmm? Yeah. So Peter was out there, and sometimes you get out there, and you can actually say, like, whoa, uh, never mind, never mind, just sit back down, you know, let's call an ambulance. <laughs> Your flesh certainly wants to say that. It's, it's like, um, you know, we believe in giving and have experienced tremendous blessing from the Lord uh, through giving. And he does, I can personally testify, he will multiply your seed sown. You sow seed and he multiplies it and multiplies it and he'll give you more seed. Like Pastor Mark says, um, if you get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. Well, it's so fun to be addicted to giving. Because before you realize it, like you've given money away. And, you're, and then you're like, what in the world did I just do? I'm not talking like just to the church. I'm talking like be a giver. Like you're a giving person. So you buy people dinner. You take people out. You give people, you know, money and those type of things. And um, uh, the Lord always provides. But sometimes your head is like, what are you doing? You know, it's like if you're addicted to drugs or something else, you find yourself doing those drugs. And you're like, what am I doing? And um, the Lord, uh, the Lord will um, support your habit. Yeah, of giving. My wife's, my wife's helping me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the Lord, uh, in salvation, he will deliver you, he will heal you, and he will make you new on the inside. So a lot of times we limit it just in our thinking to, to one kind. But when we look even at the definition of gospel that we learn from regular dictionaries or from theologians that put dictionaries together, we find that the gospel itself contains the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that's the only time the Bible says that God actually exerted himself was in raising Christ from the dead. And the exertion was so much it said, I think it was like his little finger. And that was God exerting. So all the power of God was present in raising Christ from the dead. And it was the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. His spirit raised Christ from the dead. And then he gave us his spirit to come and live inside of us. So our thing really, if you want to grow, if you want to change, I would pray and read uh, Ephesians chapter 1. There's a prayer there in Ephesians chapter 3. Um, every day for at least 30 days. And believe God. Because you will get revelation, you will get understanding. And because for us, it's really not a matter of getting more power. It's really a matter of understanding the power that is resident in us and letting that power flow through us. And if you look at Paul, look at the apostles, the main prayer that they prayed was, Lord, give us boldness. Boldness to speak what's already been done. Boldness to proclaim what you've done. You know, uh, one of my favorite prayers with boldness is, 
Uh, is it Acts chapter 6 where they were, you know, they healed the lame man at the gate beautiful and then they got thrown in prison for it and like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and they said, don't talk anymore in this name. Don't speak anymore in this name because the name of Christ contains and uh, holds all that Christ was, all of his authority, all of his position. It contains the gospel. So when you speak Jesus and you are believing that, his power is available at that moment. And his power goes into work and goes into action in the name of Jesus. Uh, but you have to believe it. Otherwise, you know, the devil might strip you naked like the seven sons of Sceva. Uh, but there's power in the name of Jesus, the same power that's in the gospel, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Acts chapter 10, 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So that can be said of you and that can be said of me. How so-and-so went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. How God anointed you. The anointing is just rubbed on, smeared on. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're rubbed on, smeared on by the Spirit of God. Like uh, my son, youngest son yesterday, decided he was going to eat some wild onions. And he ate a lot of wild onions, I think, because he still smells like wild onions this morning, his breath. He's like, because I went up to see him yesterday. He was on the trampoline and went up got with him. I'm like, what is this? And there's like this aroma about him of wild onion. I mean, it was strong. Like almost my eyes were watering. I thought, are you going to feel okay? But when the Holy Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us, you know, like, like Jesus told us, to wait until we be endued with power from on high. Those guys, he had breathed on him in John chapter 8 and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they were recreated anew. They had the Holy Spirit. But you can have the Holy Spirit and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a big difference. And the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he empowers us for ministry. And, you know, we're not doing it in this study, but you could look at the apostles born again without the Holy Spirit, without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they were kind of very timid. But then they got bold when the Holy Spirit came on them. And so the Holy Spirit will come on you, and he comes on you, he comes on me, and um, enables us to go beyond ourselves. Actually, the Bible says that when we're accused, that we shouldn't try to think of what we're going to say in that moment because the Holy Spirit will give us words to speak. Don't even, he, said, he said, don't even try. And I think many times because when we're accused, it's an emotional experience, and, uh, you know, God created us for dominion, and he created us not to um, crawl up and die and be defeated, but to have dominion. So a lot of times we're going to, like, uh, get in the flesh. <laughs> but the Lord said, you know, I'm going to give you the words. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't say anything. You ever say that? I have little kids, so I say, don't, don't say anything right now. <laughs> Just hold on. And um, let me tell you what to say. <laughs> so I think that's what the Lord does with us. Uh, he gives us power and ability, and um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed teaching the series. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, hearing this series, and the goal in the series was as we prepare for our, our big launch uh, is that we all stay focused on who God has made us to be and that we can reach out to other people and not be focused just on what the Lord has blessed us with, and the Lord has blessed us with so much when you're a Christian and you start to realize what you have, it's real easy to um, get so caught up in all of the blessings 
that you forget like, well, there's a lot of people that don't experience what we experience. There's a lot of people that have trouble sleeping at night because they don't have the peace of God. And you have the peace of God and you can take that peace and share it with other people. And the, the life of God that flows in you um, not only affects your body, that flows in me not only affects my body, but the life of God contains also the nature of God. So you have the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, that no matter what circumstance you're going through or I'm going through, we can rise above it. You know, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, looking down on what's going on. But as we don't let ourselves be conscious of that, then we find ourselves looking up through the circumstances and we're overwhelmed and we think, Lord, what's going on? And that's where what we talked about in the time of giving today is important that we cast our cares on the Lord. And we say, okay, Lord, here's what's going on. I am, you know, lost. Sometimes, sometimes we feel like, especially if you've had Bible school training or you've been around the Word of God for a while, we feel like we have to have all the answers. God has all the answers. And His Word has all the answers. We have to yield to him and let him speak to us, let him speak through us. Let him do the work. Let him do something. So we just uh, rely upon him. If you'll stand with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that, uh, wow, what a privilege it is to get to speak about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Um, not only in the pulpit, but especially in our personal lives, Father, as we're interacting with other people. Father, we just pray this week that you'll give us um, more opportunities, that uh, you'll put people in our paths that really need a touch from you, that really need to encounter the living God in their life, Father, that you'll cause us then to speak your words, Father. Thank you that you'll give us words to speak. We pray that you'll fill every mouth here with your words uh, of life, and restoration and hope and help. Father, we thank you for um, your anointing upon each and every person that's here. Father, we thank you that you have not only called us, but you've given us the same tools that you gave to Jesus, that you gave us your Holy Spirit, and that we can um, yield to him and let him speak through us. Father, we, I pray for each and every person that you'll give um, all of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Jesus Christ, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what's the exceeding greatness of your power in and toward us who believe as demonstrated in the working of your mighty power that you worked, that you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that's named, above any circumstance, any attack, any problem that the devil would try to bring. Father, I thank you that you've put us far above, and not beneath, but far above, yeah. with Christ in heavenly places. Father, I pray that you'd strengthen us in our inner man, that we would become more and more acquainted with the love of Jesus Christ that that goes beyond what we can think, beyond our imagination. Father, we'll become so acquainted with your love that our first response is to love like Jesus loved and to live like Jesus lived. And Father, um, if there's anyone here or listening that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that they would uh, respond to the promptings of your spirit, that they would uh, yield to him, Father, that you would help them to realize their lost condition, their need of you, their need of your life and of your nature. Eyes closed and heads bowed. If you're here this morning and you'd like to 
um, know Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe you did know him, but you have let things slip or slide, or maybe you've never come to know him. Just uh, slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and for you. And if you're here this morning and, um, or listening and you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, um, we'd love to pray with you and for you, see you with the mighty power of God in uh, full operation in your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come together. We thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. Um, Father, we thank you for um, our nation and for our country. We pray for our leaders. Father, we ask that you give them godly wisdom to make decisions that promote the spread of the gospel across this land, across this region, and around the world. We declare, Satan, you can't have this country. Um, the government shall be upon his shoulders, the shoulders of the church. We know that we uphold uh, the government. And Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over everyone that's serving in government, over all of our leaders and those that are serving and not leaders. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus. Father, we pray that uh, a mighty awakening will flood over this land and over this country and around the world, Father, for a great end time um, reaping of people for Jesus Christ. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.